Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. Tonight, we are recapping the week's nerdy news from episode one to episode 100 and everywhere in between. That is right. You are currently listening to the 100th mainline episode of the Multiverse Report. Not counting all the reactions and reviews Mm -hmm. and movie trailer things and show recaps or whatever as far as week-to-week recaps this is our 100th episode and i am one of your co-hosts mike gibson with me as always is steve haller engineer producer and genesis of the idea that we should do a podcast together what's up steve well i think that 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 idea probably worked out a little at this point 100 episodes in i think it did i I, I mean I mean, we're not rich off this or anything, but clearly we enjoy doing it. Yeah, no, we're we're still having a damn good time doing it. And uh, if you're having a damn good time listening, then uh, let us know because we're going to keep doing it. So you can keep listening. We're just going to be here. I think um, our plan to make this uh, like um, a financial win for us is to just to be around longer than any other. <laughs> just outlast it. <laughs> yeah. So when another one like gives up and fails, they'll be like, the listeners for that podcast will be like, oh, now I need another nerd podcast and they'll find ours. And then slowly we'll just accumulate everyone else's fallen fans. There you go. That's my goal. Hey, whatever uh, works. So whatever works. And that's going to work. I know it in my bones. Um, so what's uh, up? You, what are we, you, set how up are we, you set up a perfect Star Trek segue and we don't have any Star Trek to talk about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Instead, we can talk about someone who probably should have broken some bones over time. Tom yeah. Cruise. <laughs> That's a great segue. <laughs> yeah, we're not really doing anything um, to celebrate our uh, 100 episode other than uh, giving you a super jam-packed episode. Um, we're hitting all the big franchises tonight. We're talking DC. We're talking Marvel. We're talking Star Wars. We're talking comics. We're talking a little Evil Dead. Stay tuned for that. Uh, but as Steve teased, starting it off with the man... Recently credited by Steven Spielberg as saving Hollywood's ass with Top Gun Maverick, Tom Cruise. Hmm. And this is another installment of our uh, recurring segment, Flash Watch. Flash Watch. This is a weird episode of Flash Watch, as you can tell by us starting it by talking about Tom Cruise. This is a positive episode of Flash Watch. We haven't done one of those in forever. Yeah, these are few and far between. For sure. Tom Cruise has seen The Flash, apparently. The movie, not the human, The Flash. The movie, The Flash. Um, apparently, Hollywood Reporter uh, came out with a report this week saying that during a meeting between David Zaslav and Tom Cruise, got to wonder what they were meeting about. He's starting to do franchises for Warner Brothers? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, during that meeting, David Zaslav mentioned how great The Flash was as a movie. And he's been talking, everyone, you know, Steve, we've mentioned a number of times, everyone that we hear who has seen it or heard about someone who's seen it says it's great. Yeah. Says it's an incredible movie. So I'm very much looking forward to it. This is no different. Zaslav mentioned to Cruz how uh, good the movie was and Tom Cruise asked to see it. So a copy was sent to him to view at his home. And this was a like 
somebody at War, uh, a Warner Brothers Discovery employee brought a copy of the film to Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise watched it and then gave it back to this person. This person waited while Tom Cruise watched it and then brought it back to the studio. So there's like no leaks. Yep. I mean, clearly, I don't think Tom Cruise would do that because he's an industry guy and knows how important it is. But anyway, top secret. After viewing the film, he was so impressed that he called the director, Andy Muschietti, to say to him how great it was. And the quote that is being reported by Hollywood Reporter that he said to Andy Muschietti is, this is the kind of movie we need right now. I don't know what that really means, but it's certainly, I, I feel like, I feel like Tom Cruise, who was like just huge movie star extraordinaire. Tom Cruise saying that to you, like it, liking it the movie enough. <laughs> yeah. A lot of weight. Yeah. I think like enough, enough. He liked it enough to call the director. Like, I'm sure this dude sees movies all the time and he's like, yeah, that was good, but I don't need to call the person that made it <laughs> to compliment them personally. You know, like that alone is great. And then, uh, I don't know to have this report come out. There's just nothing but, uh, shot a boost in the arm for, uh, the flash. I yeah. I so. mean, do we know, does he have any past history with Muschietti or anything along those lines or not that I know of, not that I know of, I don't know Andy Muschietti. Uh, filmography right. back to front, but I don't think he's made anything with Tom Cruise. I mean, Tom Cruise has been making mostly Mission Impossible movies with uh, other directors right. for a lot of years, I guess. So I don't know. Yeah, and it's not not like anyone sat down and said, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to go out and you know positively review this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not like Tom Cruise is posting on, you know, getting paid to post on Twitter or something like, Hey, I love the fly. Like this right. is like a third party. We're hearing a rumor that he liked it or whatever, but anyway, Hey, super cool. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's always to see something generated like that. It is one thing if it's like reviewers or whatever, like sure. Just to see a third party in the industry, be it Tom Cruise or, you know, it doesn't have to be the level of a Tom Cruise, yeah. but whoever that's well, just neutrally seeing something and being like, yeah, that was good. Yeah. And I I think part of it is like, I don't picture Tom Cruise as somebody that inherently loves superhero movies. You know, I think he, I mean, yeah, I, can see I, that. <laughs> I think he loves film. I think he yeah. loves movies. He certainly clearly loves making them. So I've, I've, I'm sure he watches a lot of movies, but I can't imagine that he's watched every Marvel movie or even every DCU movie that's come out in the last however many years. Like, I'm sure he's seen the Michael Keaton Batman movie. You know, like right. I can't I don't know that he's he's probably seen Iron Man. Maybe I don't know. Um, but I don't think he's seen every one. So like for him to react this much to a comic well, book. Did movie, he see Iron Man? Because wasn't he supposed to? Be yeah, Iron I guess Man? that's true. You're right. That's a good point that he was in talks to be Tony Stark. Um, that would have been a oh, very, very different MCU. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think it would have lasted as long. No. Or well, or if it did. Tony wouldn't have died, I think. Because I think I remember telling you that like there was a rumor that he, Tom Cruise was in talks to be Hal Jordan in a new Green Lantern movie. Mm. But the idea was that Hal was going to be training Jon Stewart and that Hal was going to die. And yep. Tom Cruise didn't want to die. And that was like the sticking point. So um, that's why there's 7,000 Mission Impossible movies. Tom Cruise can't die. Yeah, can't die. Or okay. maybe he'll die in, you know, the eighth one or something. Um, anyway, uh, Tom Cruise liked The Flash. So that's the episode of Flash Watch. Do with that information what you will, but I, I see it. <laughs> I see it as a positive thing. Speaking of the upcoming DC 
you slate. Um, oh, by the way, I should say before I forget that if you haven't noticed it in your feeds, YouTube or podcast feed or otherwise, we're not on Twitch tonight. And we haven't been in the last couple of weeks. Just Twitch has given us some technical difficulties. We did um, stream um, our Shazam Fear of the Gods episode and this episode are streaming uh, live to YouTube. So you can watch us on YouTube, maybe for the foreseeable future. Um, if you would like to watch us live. And I feel like more people use YouTube than Twitch anyway. So see you It'll there. make my life a lot easier too. And it makes Steve's life a lot easier. So check us out on YouTube if you're looking to stream us live while it's happening. Anyway, speaking of... DCU movies. Oh, yeah. And we just did a reaction to Shazam Fear of the Gods. So that's out there. That's the whole was the original point of my tangent. <laughs> so go go listen to that in your feeds. I saw it and I liked it. Steve hasn't seen it. So we talked about that a lot. Anyway, James Gunn, new shepherd of uh, the DCU movies moving forward. Not a huge surprise. This is something that we talked about. And I got to say, Steve, we called this. We called this was going to happen months ago. James Gunn officially will direct Superman Legacy when that comes out on, I want to say, July 11th, 2025, June or July 11th, 2025. Um, we knew that he was writing this movie. We He was uh, kind of the overlord of the creative direction of the DCU as far as film goes moving forward. Actually, film, television, games, and everything moving forward. So it just seemed like a no-brainer. Like, he's writing this movie. They're saying that this Superman movie is going to be, like, the kickoff for, like, the tone and the direction of their universe. And if you're writing this movie and you are the, you know, the shepherd of this entire thing, like, it makes sense that you would want this to be... To set the... You want you want the tone of this to be right, and it's your vision, so it makes sense that you would direct it. So he came out this week and said he is officially directing it. Um, he posted on Twitter, said, I was offered Superman years ago. I initially said no because I didn't have a way in that felt unique and fun and emotional that gave Superman the dignity he deserved. Then, a bit less than a year ago, I saw a way in. In many ways, centering around Superman's heritage, how both his aristocratic Kryptonian parents and his Kansas farmer parents inform who he is and the choices he makes. So I chose to finally take on writing the script, but I was hesitant to direct. Just because I write something doesn't mean I feel it in my bones, visually and emotionally enough to spend over two years directing it, especially not something of this magnitude. But the long and short of it is, I love this script, and I'm incredibly excited as we begin this journey. So we've heard, I heard rumors that he was offered Superman when he ended up doing Suicide Squad, and he chose to do Suicide Squad instead. Um, so I think that's what he's talking about when he said he was offered Superman years ago. And I think it's smart of him to say no to something when he doesn't have a good idea for it. He's like, yeah, I can't, I didn't find a way, I couldn't think of a way in, so I said no. Like, that tells me, that's like some integrity there on the part of James Gunn, where he's not like, yeah, sure, I'll take a paycheck to write a Superman movie, even though I have no idea what I'm doing, you know? He waited till he had an idea, and he wanted to write it, and now he's going to direct it, so I think that's great. Um, uh, Steve, any thoughts on James Gunn directing Superman? Do you think he can handle it? Do you think he's got chops for a superman movie i don't know and i think i've <laughs> i've been on record on the pod numerous times saying i i i like gun as the architect i don't know just i think we actually ran down his filmography a couple maybe yeah we did. maybe a month yeah. ago or so and it's like there's nothing that would be in yeah. the vein so it, it's definitely branching out of his wheelhouse that said he's had nothing 
in his wheelhouse that has really, you know, made me think otherwise that he isn't right. going to nail it. So I'm torn, yeah. but I think, you know, might as well give him a shot. I think I agree with you. I think Superman as a character is a little, um, you know, use this word open, you know, interpret this word as you will cleaner as a character than yeah. a lot of characters or movies that he has made, like Suicide Squad, Guardians of the Galaxy. He, he know, works like very well. He, he works well in the mud. Yes. And he works well with like characters that don't have it all together that are kind of, uh, you know, bad people, <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, but at the same time, he did say like, oh, I didn't have a way in until now. And now I do. So I think he's a good writer. I think he's a good director. Yeah. So. Um, I guess because of his filmography and because of what I thought of his previous work, I trust him enough until I, until he proves me otherwise. Yeah. You know? that's, so, I think that's like, about I'm into. And, and we have to be like, this is going to be a different Superman than we've ever seen before. I would think, um, I, I think it'll share. I was clearly going to be seemingly, as he says, he's looking at it. He's trying to make it as true to the character. Um, but it's not going to be Christopher Reeve. It's not going to be Henry Cavill. It's not going to be, you know, Brandon Routh. It's going to be like a new interpretation. So it's probably going to look different. It's definitely going to feel different. And I'm open for that. I'm ready for that. Um, whether or not I like it, that remains to be seen. You know, wait till we see some casting and a trailer before I start getting really hyped for it. And even then, I'm going to try. I think it's going to be impossible. A new Superman movie is going to be really hard for me to try to, like, keep my expectations low. But I'm going to try to go in with kind of like a blank slate. And just say like, okay, what is this Superman about? Well, and I mean, is there any? I think I I think I know the answer already. But historically, in print, is there anything that would be similar to an interpretation of Superman that you would maybe see Gunn pulling from? Because I've never heard well, of it. If there is, <laughs> well, I do like he's talking about kind of like comparing the aristocracy of like Jor-El and Lara, his Kryptonian parents to the like, m you know, lower middle class farmer upbringing that he gets in Kansas. I think that's really cool. I don't think that's something that has really been explored, certainly not in the films. Um, like the kind of the dichotomy between his two worlds, his two heritages. Um, but you know, I haven't read every Superman comic ever. I know there's a Superman comic. There's a, a, a heralded one called Superman Birthright, which I believe deals with his Kryptonian heritage a little bit more. Um, but I haven't read it. So I don't know um, if it could be pulling from that. I know seemingly he's pulling from we know he likes Grant Morrison. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the stuff in chapter one that they've announced is Grant Morrison based. So and he's, you know, we've talked about he's posted photos of himself reading All Star Superman. And I think the picture that he posted when he made this very announcement that we're talking about was the cover of all-star superman so he really likes that one for sure so he could be pulling from that i know he likes tom king as well and tom king did a great run on superman called superman up in the sky maybe pulling from that a little bit so i mean who knows it all remains to be seen but james gunn not the biggest shock in the world will be directing superman legacy um, speaking of people who will be directing something, here's someone who will not be directing something for the mm -hmm. DCU, despite it being teased. Ben Affleck said in an interview this week that he will not be directing a DC movie anytime soon. Um, he's doing press for something. 
and he was asked about, you know, James Gunn has said that he's spoken to Ben Affleck about the possibility of directing something. And that was brought up in this interview. Ben Affleck responded and said, I would not direct something for the James Gunn DC. Absolutely not. I have nothing against James Gunn. Nice guy. I'm sure he's going to do a great job. I just wouldn't want to go in and direct in the way they're doing that. I'm not interested in that. Well, that's a little vague, but I can only assume that what he means by that is the shared universe. Right. Having to play uh, within somebody else's sandbox. Yeah. Having your hands somewhat tied to what you are able to do and the story you are able to tell because it feeds into a larger thing. And I'm sure that's turned, that's got to turn a lot of people away from even Marvel stuff too. Oh yeah. And in this particular situation, I think we mentioned before, like how many directors and filmmakers are going to sign up to get notes from another director and filmmaker mm -hmm. in James Gunn. Like, yes, he is, he's got a, you know, executive level job now, but he's still writing and directing movies at the same time. So like, you know, yeah. I don't know, I'm a songwriter and I wouldn't necessarily want every other songwriter in the world to come in and tell me why I can't do something in a song. <laughs> like, um, well, uh, go fuck yourself. Yes, I can do it. Right. It's my song, <laughs> you know? So I got to, I got to say that he, I, he probably felt too restrained by the cinematic universe aspect of it. That's my guess. Could be wrong. And he went on to reflect on his time and maybe more of the reason why he's not doing oh, this. Oh yeah. He, uh, he went deep. Did not really, he went deep. Didn't really mince any words. He said, justice league, you could teach a seminar on all the reasons why this is how not to do it. Ranging from production to bad decisions to horrible personal tragedy and just ending with the most monstrous taste in my mouth. So like that sentence alone tells me like, oh, maybe it's not even the shared universe stuff. Right. Maybe it's just you're done with superhero stuff because you got sucked into. Right. One of the, the, the first statement seems like, oh, if they gave me like the Matt Reeves creative control of a, a thing, like maybe. Sure. I, maybe. But this says like, nope, I'm done with tights and capes for right. the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Which I do not blame him for. Yeah. Um, he goes on to say, but I was going to direct a Batman and Justice League made me go, I'm out. I never want to do any of this again. I'm not suited. That was the worst experience I've ever seen in a business which is full of some shitty experiences. It broke my heart. And I started to drink too much. I was back at uh, the hotel in London. It was either that or jump out the window. <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah the, holy shit like it went from yeah. zero to a like straight up spinal tap 11 real and, quick I mean, yeah i mean we knew that's why he when he walked away from batman said that it was because he was drinking too much and his, he showed the script to his friend and his friend said this is a great script but if you do it i think you're gonna drink yourself to death yeah and he was like okay then i'm not gonna do it um uh then he goes on to say he referenced i think <laughs> he gave this quote at this last one, I feel like he remembered, like, oh, oh I'm on a press tour. Still, <laughs> I am right. still in a, a DC movie that's coming out this summer. I probably shouldn't be completely shitting on the superhero genre. He said, I did finally figure out how to play Batman, and I nailed it in the flash. For the five minutes I'm in there, it's really great. So he's given, again, given some positivity to the flash. Well, and of course, you could interpret that as damning by faint praise, or, uh, faint praise, because he's like, for the five minutes I'm there, it's great. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but also he I mean, he knew that was the movie he signed on. Yeah. You know, he knew that he was, you know, and I, you know, he I assume he's in the he's in the act one of the flash. Then time travel craziness starts and then Michael Keaton takes over and then mm -hmm. who knows what's at the end of that movie. But 
um, I'm glad that he feels positive about his portrayal of Batman in the flash. And I'm interested to say, to see how he says, I did finally figure out how to play Batman. So like, wh- how is that going to be different than the Batman he played in either justice league or Batman versus Superman, you know, like, well, what does that acknowledge? Change? Does that acknowledge the thoughts on, you know, some people of like his Bruce Wayne versus his Batman. Right. Right, because we've seen both in the trailers for The Flash. Right. It's Um, like, you know, and he did a fine Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I don't know about his Batman, but if he figured it out for The Flash, then whatever. I don't know. For me, that is a a case of um, interesting casting in a terribly plotted and scripted film. Oh, yeah. No, him, him doing his thing was far from the worst thing of that movie. Yeah, I guess or this is movies. something I will. Another thing I'll say about the Flash: I'm excited to see Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne or as Batman, uh, written and directed by somebody other than Zack Snyder. Oh yeah, I mean maybe that's why he figured out how to play him. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. You never know. Uh, speaking of things that are not happening, something else that might not be happening, which is a bummer: Constantine two apparently maybe in jeopardy uh we found out uh, a few months ago that um warner brothers had given the green light to the uh much uh rumored and wanted at least by keanu reeves mm-hmm. sequel to his uh, 2005 movie constantine and, and now instead and in- of a green light it is a flashing yellow light <laughs> yes yeah i think so uh in an interview with comicbook.com keanu reeves was asked uh if he could get a status update on the film now that it's finally happening. And he said, I was hoping that it would, but we don't know. Yeah, we're trying. And that's all he said. Um, whoops. So whoops. Um, I mean, they did say, was it, it was, I think it was Peter Safran that said when they were talking about the else worlds banner, you know, that like Joker two and the Batman mm. and teen Titans or whatever is going to go under, um, that, uh, they said they were going to be very strict over what they allowed to go up that wasn't part of their DCU. So maybe it's just that they're taking a, a, a longer look at Constantine 2. Um, and they may have plans for Constantine in there in, you know, the DCU, which may be the reason that they're not moving forward with uh, Keanu Reeves. But I don't know. I think, I think it would be cool. I think Keanu Reeves is... I've said this before. I like the Constantine movie. I don't think Keanu Reeves was a well-cast as Constantine in that movie. Um, they made he, a good movie that could have been not a Constantine movie. Yeah. Or if they picked someone else to play Constantine, it would have been great. Right. I think if they had picked like a blonde British guy with yep. some swagger to play Constantine. It would have been a great Constantine movie. And you can tell that it was written for that character, but Keanu Reeves is not like executing the dialogue mm-hmm. the way that the snotty British, uh, asshole Constantine would um, I mean he knows Kung Fu so that's true there is that um, but like because of that I think that is separate it keeps it separate enough that it wouldn't cause confusion if you cast somebody that was more like the comic book Constantine in your mainline universe yeah I'll take a Constantine too from Keanu Reeves and like lean into the fact that he's older make him like an older yeah you know more uh, jaded you know, Constantine's already pretty jaded, but, you know, make him more like I'm out of the game or I'm grizzled. I, you know, give him a beard or something. You know, right. like, you know, like make him old and even grumpier. 
If yeah, you that, can, Constantine too, even grumpier to be the name of it. <laughs> if you can do it for a Batman, you can do it yeah. for a character nobody knows about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for like a C-list character or a yeah. B or C-list character. For sure. For sure. So uh, that's a bummer. I hope it happens. I would love to see that um, happen. Uh, last DC story. Thinking of Speaking of things that we thought may not happen, but now, thankfully, are happening. You may remember us talking about an animated show called Batman the Caped Crusader. It was an animated series that was being billed as the spiritual successor or spiritual sequel to the highly lauded and loved Batman the Animated Series. It was right. being Which developed was, by... I was going to say, it was confirming that both Mike's childhood and my childhood were coming back with yeah. this and <laughs> X-Men 97. So Yeah, that's right. Um, but then... Um, it was uh, dropped by HBO Max. It was going to be an HBO Max exclusive, but David Zaslav switching everything up, uh, throwing the whole keeping everything under one umbrella thing, throwing that right out the window, which more on that later in uh, Disney style. Um, but anyway, uh, Batman the Cape Crusaders developed by um, Bruce Tim, who developed Batman the Animated Series, executive produced by J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves. No slouches, either of them. And head writer on that series with Ed Brubaker. Steve, you and I were like out of our minds about why would you let this go? I hope this finds a spot somewhere else. It has. It has landed at Amazon. Amazon is picked up Batman the Cape Crusader for not one, but two seasons. This is given a second season green light uh, to the team behind Batman the Cape Crusader. Each season will have 10 episodes, and I could not be happier that this show is going to exist and that I will get to watch it. I don't care what streaming service it is on. I'm going to watch it. And that's something that we, yeah. And I think that's something that we ended up talking about at some point. At first we were like, why would you do this? You own Batman. Why would you let someone else make money off Batman? But you know what? They are making money because I'm, they're licensing it to Amazon. So Amazon's paying them some money so they can have your Batman show. And you know, there's going to be people out there that are like, oh, this Batman show is cool that I'm watching on Amazon Prime. Where can I watch more Batman stuff? Oh, HBO Max. I go, I'll go over there. You know, it, it lets people that. You know, we all talk about how expensive streaming services are, like it's the new cable. If you have to have every streaming service, you're just paying more. You know, us cord cutters are paying the same yeah. or more than we would have if we had just kept our cable. Um but, uh, you know, not everyone can afford every streaming service. Now, people that can't afford HBO Max but do have Amazon Prime, they get to watch a Batman. And that's great. And it's good for the brand. It's good for DC. It's good for Warner Brothers to have their IP in front of as many eyes as possible. So, you know, you're not going to... There's still plenty of Batman on HBO Max. And now you're going to get Batman in other places, too, which I don't think is bad. Like, I get it. I get it now. Like, I would prefer everything to be in one spot so I don't have to go hunting and switching. But, like... I get it. I get it as a business decision why they would let something go. The difference between thinking of it like a consumer versus thinking of it from their standpoint is they're they're two diametrically different things. Yes. Yep. And uh, we are um, in not too long. We're going to talk about why um, David Zaslav's approach to streaming and HBO Max, the decisions that he has made for HBO Max We've kind of talked about in the past how like we think this is going to probably have like ripple effects on the streaming industry. And is the cancellation of Batgirl 
a signal that the bubble has burst on streaming, we might be right. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. Diving into some Marvel stuff right now. This is something that I have mixed feelings about, Steve, and I can't wait to talk to you about it. John Bernthal will reprise the role Frank Castle, also known as the Punisher, in Daredevil Born Again for Disney+. Plus. Now, Daredevil Born Again is a sequel, reboot, something, something? we don't. So extension of we don't yeah. know the Netflix Daredevil show. It stars Charlie Cox as Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. John Berthnall will be the third member of the cast of Daredevil to officially join this MCU version of that show, MCU version of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Much to the chagrin of uh, everyone around. Unfortunately, it has been all but confirmed that Deborah Ann Wool and Eldon Henson are not expected to be recast or re- no, re- reprising their roles. Rather, yeah, those those being Karen Page and Foggy Nelson, the Which, two the heart of that show, important <laughs> two most important side characters of the entire show. Um, Yes, they are not expected to return, apparently, for yes. Daredevil Born Again. And, and I it do 100% not... agree with your note in the uh, show notes. I yes, okay. <laughs> I will, I'm going to read this verbatim. I said I wrote in my show in the show notes, no word on whether those roles are cast or if the characters aren't being used. Either way, I hate this. Because, like you said, Karen Page and Foggy Nelson, the heart of that Daredevil Netflix show. Hundred percent. And one, if you're not using those characters, I hate it. I hate it. If you're recasting those characters, I hate it probably even more. <laughs> yes, they were great. And if you're bringing in Charlie Cox and you're bringing in D'Onofrio and you're bringing in Don Bernthal, how are you not bringing back those other two? Yeah. Come on, like I guess you know what? I guess I hope they're just not going to be in it. Because if, if they're the in it and they're not is, to, yeah, yeah, I would prefer them to just not be in it, which I think is dumb. I think it's dumb for them not to be in it. And if but you, yeah, would, if if anybody hasn't seen that show and is wondering why we're so um, emphatic about this, they literally like the dynamic between them and Daredevil was like uh, Foggy and Deborah. Uh, it was the show? Uh, yeah, like. Foggy and Karen and Murdoch were like that. The avocados at law needed need to be, you know, in one place. Yeah. And without them, it really is going to gut a lot of the the emotional heft of the yeah. show. Um, I hadn't thought of this until right now. But recently, I would say in the last week, uh, Queen of Twitter, Gail Simone, comic book writer extraordinaire. Yep. Tweeted something, and I don't, I'm not going to remember it verbatim, but the point of it was like a short thread that she's like, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not calling any specific company out. But it feels like to me that in a lot of modern day superhero stories, there aren't enough depowered friends and family of the main title hero. And it's all about. You know, she just gave examples like it's all about like Superman fighting Doomsday or whatever, like this, this super powered person fighting this other super powered person. And there's not enough stories that involve 
the side characters. And she referenced Superman like Superman is interesting part or part of the reason Superman is interesting because of Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane, mm-hmm. and Perry White and all these other characters in his life that are not nearly as powerful as he is, but he cares about them and he interacts with them and they interact with each other. They get either get into trouble or they help him or whatever. Like that's, that's part of it. Like Mary Jane is I like, was gonna say, I was literally going to say if Spidey is, is Spider-Man, Spider-Man without MJ or Aunt May or any well, of the ancillary, anything. From what I hear, we're going to find out, apparently, as Peter Parker and Mary Jane are not a thing anymore in the comic books. What Again, are you doing? And, yeah. <laughs> whatever. They, they're they in. What are you doing? Marvel does the thing with Spider-Man where, th- for some uh, reason, he's Peter Pan. Like, he can't grow up. He can't I have know. nice things. Come like, on. Some of the best, some of the best Spider-Man that was ever written was when he like he when they married yeah, Mary Jane right when they allowed all of that to like flourish and actually follow a story instead yeah, of just dude, it's so dumb yeah it's so dumb it's like I want him cutting it off and cutting it off and cutting it off I want I want him married to Mary Jane and being an an adult if you want to throw real world life yeah it's like problems at someone throw them to miles you know what i mean and have yeah. peter there is like whatever but like he has grown and it's more interesting to see a character that is building off his life experience and using that to move forward than just keep getting just regressed to like you said like peter pan can't grow up i'm a, i'm just a dumb high school kid that doesn't yeah. know how to talk to women even though i've been married on and off <laughs> right well and i, had I mean kids at one point the on. the ps5 uh the playstation spider-man like yeah the dynamic in that miles game was perfect perfect like, yes miles is doing the everyday stuff peter comes yeah. back and teaches him how to do things and like handles I, the big problems but yeah you know miles miles becomes your friendly neighborhood everyday spider-man exactly and i th- i feel like they're not <laughs> this is a huge tangent we're not even talking oh, about spider-man but like <laughs> this is like, imagine if DC was like, no, 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 no. Dick Grayson's going to be Robin again. Right. You know exactly. I mean? Same that would be concept. Insane. Yeah. That would be insane. Like, you are just regressing such amazing growth. Like, it's part of the reason some people love Nightwing so much is that he's one of the only uh, comic book characters that we've seen grow up. Yeah. That has been allowed to grow up. And that makes him inherently interesting. Because you know he has this past as this other character. Like, let Peter be that guy. Let Peter Dude, be your Peter, Bruce Wayne. The Peter and Felicia stuff. Like, yeah. it, it, expand the character instead of every time just bringing him back. I know. I know. Yeah. Ugh. Well, speaking anyway. of a character that is continually brought back, <laughs> and I don't know, but it worked. Uh, <laughs> oh, the, oh, the 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 non the non superpowered side characters. Oh, the yep. important the importance of non superpowered side characters. Yep. So, so speaking um, of non superpowered, uh, John Bernthal as Frank Castle. As you Frank seem Castle. to be very intrigued as to what my take would be on this. I am. Yeah, and I yeah, I want to talk about it with you for sure. Okay. So so hit me. All right, John Bernthal. No, no let me just, let me go first and see if I hit it. Because John Bernthal as the Punisher absolutely nailed the character. Like yes, the 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 casting was great. What he did in the seasons of Daredevil and his own show were phenomenal. 
so good. If they're taking this and making it a Daredevil Punisher Kingpin show, I don't know if I want to watch this. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no there's no core to it. Like why why? Yeah. I didn't like Daredevil because the Punisher was in it. I like Daredevil because right. Daredevil was Daredevil. And like yeah, Matt Murdock it was, was, it was good. Right. <laughs> yeah. I liked it because it was good. That's that's the sentence. That's the review. I liked it because it was good. Mm-hmm. I didn't even like it because it was Daredevil. Right. I liked it because it was good. I didn't expect it to be one of the best adaptations of any Marvel thing I've ever seen when I started watching it. Right. I didn't expect it to still be the best Marvel thing that's been put out on a small <laughs> yes. screen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I am I am severely lowering my expectations about Daredevil Born Again. Like 100%. severely. Because well, it's been like notches. It was like yep. when we saw D'Onofrio return, that was like one notch taken off. Yeah. And then it was kind of like half up again once we saw Murdoch. And it's like, okay. Oh, because I liked him and she, I, I, cause I liked right. him and she helped. Exactly. I got to say. And like, I, that, that was, worked, that worked I, it kind of raised it back up a little. Like, I really want to yep. see this. And then like, this okay, is this just can work. chopping it back down again. Because. Well, I guess, you, I, I guess the I pairing, can't. the pairing of those two pieces of news is what chops it back down. Yes. Because yes, yes. if Bernthal sure. was in it, but they're still maintaining the core and they're still maintaining, like, like we said, the heart of the show. It's one yeah. thing. Be- especially because Frank in that, in that show and both those shows, Frank Castle had a, uh, a real, like not romantic, but like friendship, kinship relationship with, uh, Deborah Ann Walls, yeah. Karen Page. Yep. Like they were, they had a connection, the two of them. And it just, I, this, it's so early on. Like we don't, we literally only know a handful of people that are going to be in this show. We don't know what it's about. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it feels like. So it's early to say, but I feel like I'm getting vibes of all, all flash and no substance. And even though this is, didn't they say this is like an 18 episode? Yeah. series yep like it's the longest marvel show that they have made by far by a long shot so i don't know what that means but it seems like you got time for all these characters so maybe give us some other characters but also um i am very nervous about like you like you just said like uh kingpin vincent d'onofrio's kingpin in the netflix shows versus vincent d'onofrio's kingpin in hawkeye wildly different Right. Same guy. Look the same. The tone, wildly different. The way the character is dressed, the way he moves, the way he acts. Wildly Disney-fied. Right. Wildly PG-13. And I can't imagine John Bernthal's Punisher being PG-13. So No. I mean, like, what, what does tone, he do? Like, <laughs> I don't like... I, I get Daredevil as a more malleable tone yes. as a character. So like it to me, it fit in She-Hulk. He still felt like the same Matt Murdock because he's being like flirty. Yeah. You know, maybe a little overconfident, but yeah. whatever. Like he still felt like the same Matt Murdock because Matt Murdock was flirty and jokey and stuff in the Daredevil show. Yep. Frank Castle is not like. No, Frank Castle no. is. <laughs> no. Yeah. He is like a just a. Straight line. Yeah. It's a straight line. And I 
I'm not a nervous. nice guy, I'm, folks. I'm He's not a nice guy. I'm just, I'm just really, really tempering my expectations for this, and I'll be very interested to see either more casting. I don't know. I guess I'm not interested. I'm not interested in seeing more casting if they're not bringing back Deborah Wall and Eldon Henson. Like that was the casting I wanted to see, and now they're saying that they're not expected to return. So I guess I, I. Oh no, Steve. I just, I'm remembering that I saw oh, this. Boy. They cast somebody else. They re- they replaced the actress that played Vanessa. Vanessa is going to be in this. Vanessa Fisk. Oh, really? Is going to be in this, but with a different actress. Huh. That doesn't seem. So that makes me think. Oh, are they recasting Karen and Foggy? But like, well, then why? Why would they do that? That's dumb. It's dumb. Why would you recast Vanessa? Bring that actress back. She's great. She was wonderful. I loved her. Yeah, I got nothing there. Yeah, so I'm just getting nervous about this show. I'm excited for it, and it, but it's going to be a real like trailer kind of thing because I don't think the tone. I just I'm just ready for it to be like a very watered down version of the thing that I love. And if that's what it is, as long as if it's it could still be good. But um, random one for you. Did you okay. know that the actress that played Vanessa in the original series was Superman's mother in Man of Steel? Oh my God, she was Laura. Like biological, <laughs> yep. biological. Yep. As soon as I pictured her, I immediately saw that it was the same actress. Oh yep. my God! Wow. Insane. I did yep. not know that. Well, we're me up. connecting things now. Yep. Here we are. Hundred episodes we in, are. we're starting to figure it out. <laughs> Making connection. Um. Yeah. Hundred episodes in. It was going to be a long one because we're, <laughs> we're not. We're not even halfway through. See, our, this is uh, this is what happens when we take a week off, folks. Yeah, not only are we recapping two weeks worth of stuff, but we haven't talked to each other in two weeks, so we're like, hey, let's tangent about Spider-Man comics for 10 minutes. Right, exactly. (laughs) All right, this last Marvel story is going to segue into our Star Wars story. And I'm sure neither will send us off on any tangents. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure we never go off on Star Wars tangents. Bob Iger, Disney head honcho, uh, gave an interview or uh, talked at some kind of conference or some something uh, a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Some of these stories are from two weeks ago. Some of these stories are from this. You guys just, you can figure that out. You know, I don't know. I just picked all the best ones from the last two weeks. Cause we didn't do a show last week. So anyway, it was a Morgan updates. Stanley conference actually. Ah, uh, That's right. Morgan Stanley conference. Bob Iger spoke about the future of Disney also gave some specific quotes about Disney Plus, some specific quotes about Marvel, some specific quotes about Star Wars. The focus in general was about, quote, reducing the expense per content, end quote, without sacrificing quality, quote, understanding how much volume we need, reducing how much we make. So it's how much we spend on what we make and how much we make. So that, to me, seems like it is applying mostly to Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has been pumping out content in a, at a pace where, you know, a lot of people, you and I included, are uh, getting sick of it, thinking that it's too much, thinking that we need a break. Right. Turn the fire um, hose off a little. Turn the fire hose off a little bit. So it seems like they want to, they still want to spend the money to get it right, but they're not going to spend the money on a thousand things at the same time to get them all right. Cause that seems to be where they are dropping the ball a little bit on effects or on story or whatever. Um, 
Um, and he also, to connect the dots for what I talked about earlier in the HBO Max stuff, he literally referenced HBO in this speech, um, mentioning the possibility of licensing some of their IP to third parties as HBO Max is doing. The original idea behind Disney Plus was like, yo, we're taking it all in. Netflix, you're not allowed to make a Daredevil show anymore because we're bringing everything back in-house. And he even references HBO by saying, I quote, I think HBO proved that, well, you know, in their halcyon days when high-quality programming made a difference and not volume uh, because the streaming platforms require so much volume, one has to question whether that's the right direction to go. So he's looking at HBO as an example, like, you know, Halcyon Days of HBO, they didn't have a thousand shows, but they had five amazing shows, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's what he's talking about as far as uh, Disney Plus is going, and I think he's referencing probably definitely Marvel, probably Star Wars too, but Marvel cranking out stuff for Disney Plus, like, wow. Yeah. I think like, yo, we got to slow this down a little bit. Right. Take it back a step and give me a Marvel version of something, the quality of the wire. Exactly. Yeah. Like, do I need Agatha, Covenant of Chaos, and Echo, and Loki season two, and What If season two, and Daredevil Born Again, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I don't know. Just give right. me like one great season of one of those shows. Yep. One great one. Not like um not like twelve mediocre ones, one great one, and I'll talk about it for years. Like you and I still rave about the Daredevil Netflix series. Oh yeah. Three seasons, all great. Loved it. I'll talk about it till the day I die being so good. Anyway, he goes on to say, as far as Marvel is concerned, what we have to look at with Marvel is not necessarily the volume of Marvel storytelling, but how many times we go back to the well on certain characters. Sequels typically work well for us, but do you need a third or a fourth, for instance, or is it time to turn to other characters? There's nothing in any way inherently off in terms of the Marvel brand. I think we just have to look at what characters and stories we are mining. And if you look at the trajectory of Marvel over the next five years, you'll see a lot of newness. Now we're going to turn back to the Avengers franchise, but with a whole set of different Avengers as an example. This is a pretty interesting quote. He's saying it's not necessarily that we're doing too much, but it's that we're doing too much of the same thing (laughs) over and over again. It's almost like we've said that before. It's almost like we've said that before. I mean, I do think they're doing too much, but I also agree that they're doing too much of the same thing. And I think reading into this, this is just my interpretation. When he's saying, do you need a third or a fourth, for instance? I think he's talking about Thor Love and Thunder, Mm -hmm. underperforming and getting mixed to negative reviews. And he might be talking about Ant-Man 3. I mean, I haven't seen Ant-Man Quantumania, but like the drop-off from week one to week two, like we already talked about, was severe i think we talked about in our shazam recap but um you know like does do we did we really need that to be an ant-man movie could that have been another that may drawn more outside you know non-mcu people in i don't know um and like he's saying we're we're making more avengers movies but the the cast is different the the event the the characters are different which i think is smart and i really agree with this because i feel like I didn't need a, a fourth Thor movie. If it was going to be good, then I would have liked it still, but then it, it wasn't that great. You right. know, like if I, I feel like Marvel sometimes for me feels like 
They are making movies because they think they need to make sequels to these characters and not necessarily because they have a good idea. It's like, hey, we're going to make a third Ant-Man movie, write it, and make it influential regardless of whether it's a good idea. Like, I don't, again, I haven't seen Ant-Man Quantum, so I don't, I can't, that might be a bad comparison. But like, do you know what I mean when I say that? Like, yeah, I don't know if it everyone, works quite for Ant-Man, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And well, okay, well, Thor every, Ford everyone, definitely, like... Right, that, that's a better example. Everyone likes Thor. Chris Hemsworth is still around. Let's make another Thor movie. Well, like, and, okay, like, well, we, they have good source material with Aaron's Thor run, but they also yeah. tried to shoehorn too many other things and do too... I know, like, so maybe that's not an example. Maybe that's not a good example either. <laughs> Just, but I feel like... I don't know. Maybe wait until someone comes to, I don't know. Well, this, like, I guess it's another thing of now they have the, now they have the chops and the IP back to be able to do that with the four back and with X-Men back and that, and yeah. they don't have to go back to a mainline Avengers film every couple of years. It's like, yeah, I mean, you can, I think that that could be the, the newness that he's talking about. Like you're going to see a lot of newness over the next five years. I think that's going to be fantastic and x-men yeah um well and then with x-men too you know you can there's so much to mine there you can you know throw out like an x-force movie or something along those lines where you yes it's under the umbrella but it's five completely different characters than anybody you've seen if they're smart they will do that in a way where it keeps it varied for a longer amount of time and it's not just like hey here's 20 x-men that you love but now you've seen them all, so you're bored of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, you know, maybe we get different X-Men teams or something to kind of like stretch it out a little right, bit. Right, instead of just banging but, the same teams over our head like they did in the Foxverse. Yeah. I mean, also like there's something to be said, I think, if you were going to keep – like if those, if, those, if the first six Avengers, if that first Avengers team, if that was the only team we were ever going to get and we were just going to keep getting Avengers movies with those six – that could have been interesting too, because then you yeah. have more plot to dive into. You have more shared history to reference along the way. Like that could have been cool, but it's not really feasible when you have a list celebrities playing those characters like Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. Like they're going to want to do something else at some point. Right. Um, but I, so I get what he means. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Marvel. I think over the next five years under this new ethos of like spending, like we already know that the TV production is slowing down. We're getting two shows instead of like five this year. We already know that slowing down. What is going to happen to the film slate? Are they going to delay any of those movies that they announced? They announced, you know, phase five and parts of phase six. Phase six. Is any of those going to be delayed? Any of those going to be removed from the schedule? When are we going to find out about them? Like what is going to happen how much of a slowdown are we talking about? Um, I mean, and that's kind of like more negative stuff, but also like think of the positive stuff. Like if we get less then the stuff we get is going to look great and be great. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, I don't know. I'd rather have less than six movies and TV shows a year and have like two really fucking awesome mm-hmm. superhero movies. hundred you know? percent. Whatever. And uh, so Bob Iger went on to talk about not just Marvel, Star Wars, ladies and gentlemen, and gay, days and gays. We're talking about 
Galaxy Far, Far Away, jumping into Star Wars, Bob Iger shed some light on the future of the Star Wars film universe. And this is something that we haven't had in a long time. We haven't had a film, Star Wars film, since Rise of Skywalker, which is a long time ago. And uh, most people, I feel like, do not like that film. So uh, we got some good Star Wars on TV. However, we are itching for a theatrical Star Wars experience. Bob Iger continued his speech and talked about Star Wars. We made three what we called saga films, which is obviously the successors to George Lucas's first six. They did very well at the box office, tremendously well, as a matter of fact. We've made two so-called standalones in Rogue One and Solo. Rogue One did quite well. Solo was a little disappointing to us. It gave us pause just to think maybe the cadence was a little too aggressive, which I agree with. And so we decided to pull back a bit. We are still developing Star Wars films. We're going to make sure that when we make one, that it's the right one. So we are being very careful there. And I think that's clear because yeah. we haven't gotten a greenlit Star Wars film since The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I think that pullback was made directly after Solo. We saw a number of projects canceled after Solo. The only one that continued was Rise of Skywalker, and which they knew they had to do. Rogue Squadron Although technically I, was continued at that point. However, then however, it got pulled back, and then it got greenlit again, and then we'll talk more about it later. Uh, let's just dive in right now okay. and we can talk about everything at once. Um, speaking of, you know, he says we're going to make sure that when we do make a Star Wars movie, it's the right one and we're being very careful. Apparently, what wasn't uh, careful enough or not good enough to uh, meet the standards of what they're going for uh, were two films we've been hearing about for a long time. Variety reporting this week that Patty Jenkins and Kevin Feige's Star Wars projects have both been shelved. There's no details really around why either of these are being shelved. Uh, but Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron is not moving forward. Um, it's a source close to the studio claimed that it was no longer in development. And I think even when she released that statement about Wonder Woman 3, said she was going back to Lucasfilm to work on Rogue Squadron, I think even in that statement she said, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. And now we know seemingly not going to happen. Uh, Kevin Feige's mystery Star Wars movie that's been in development for like four years mm -hmm. uh, is being shelved. The general thought around that is that it's being shelved because he has way too much on his plate with the uh, Marvel stuff, with the MCU. So he doesn't really have time to do Star Wars thing. Um, uh, and if they're being careful, maybe these like either weren't far along enough that they didn't want to keep spending money developing them or they just weren't right for what they wanted to do. But either way, it looks like these two movies are not going to be moving forward. Um, Variety also goes on to claim that uh, Taika Waititi's long in-development film could be the next project that we hear about at Lucasfilm or the next one that we see on the big screen, the next one to get a green light as far as production goes. Also saying that uh, Taika Waititi may play one of the main characters himself. Um, the article also references the current in development film being written by David Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson and that that is still in development and uh, again mentions that Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy is already attached to direct that movie. But I feel like you got a director already. That's, yeah, that one's got to be you're close moving. to going, I think. The uh, Variety also references uh, the rumored Ryan Johnson trilogy with no new updates. Basically, he's still doing Knives Out mystery stuff, and he's got a show on Peacock that he wants to do it. Kathleen Kennedy wants to do it, but mm -hmm. 
they're everyone's busy. And he's come out um, and said that himself too. Of like, yeah, and so is Kathleen Kennedy. Like, right. they're not uh, seemingly seemingly be, seem to be on the same page as far as that goes. Um, and we are all expecting an announcement about something film related to happen at Star Wars Celebration, the uh, annual Star Wars um, con. That is happening on Lond- in London, April 7th. So it's not even really very long that we'll get some kind of official announcement, hopefully. So, Steve, what do you think about this? There's two movies that are shelved, two movies that seem to be moving along still. Bob Iger saying, you know, we're going to make sure we're making the right ones and we're spending money in the right spot. He said the Saga films did very well. What do you, what do you take from kind of all of this and how do you feel about all of this news? It's... It's a lot. Um, the the loss of Rogue Squadron. I know. Uh, I know you're aware. It hurts yeah. me. It hurts. I know. Uh, oh, the fact that Taika's film is the greenlit one mildly worries me. I feel like I'm almost on a bit of Taika well, Waititi overload lately. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the nerd space. I agree with you. Um, except, I mean, Star Wars is a different vibe. Than true. Marvel. Very true. And you know, but like I, 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 I want the, I want the what we do in the shadows, Taika, or the uh, like, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. And like, yeah. I don't know how to translate that to what my brain says with Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Thor: Love and Thunder to me felt like he was kind of phoning it in. Like he didn't really believe in that the way. Ragnarok or didn't yeah. invest himself in it as much. And I would hope that if he's doing a Star Wars movie, that that is different enough for him and exciting enough for him that he does really kind of dive in and mm-hmm. make it his own thing. I, I mean, I certainly don't doubt his talent and his ability to make a movie like that, but the last movie from him that I saw was Thor Love and Thunder and I didn't love it. So did you thunder um, it? <laughs> no, I didn't. I neither loved nor thundered it. <laughs> um, but I get it. But I also I agree with Bob Iger. Like I I really like the movie Solo. I've watched it several mm-hmm. times. We talked about it recently. Like I love that movie. Um, and yeah, it didn't make a bunch of money at the box office. And I think a lot of that was that they were too aggressive with. They wanted to make. They came out and said that we want to make Star Wars like Marvel. There's going to be one Star Wars movies ev- movie every year. And I think that was even pushing it. And they ended up trying like this Solo coming out the same year as Last Jedi, or within six months of Last Jedi. That was the first time that they were going to do like two that close together. I think Star Wars theatrically Star Wars is better, especially if you're doing like saga movies, connected story movies. I think Star Wars is better when it goes away for a while and you miss it. And then it comes back and you're like, ha ha Star Wars again. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. I haven't seen this in a lot. So I think whatever movie does come next is going to make a lot of money because we haven't seen a Star Wars movie in a long time, whether that be Taika's or, um, obeyed Chinois or whatever. Um, so I agree. I don't, I don't think I would like star Wars to be less aggressive than Marvel. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to ever, you know, kind of burn themselves out because we are getting a lot of star Wars on TV and it doesn't seem like we talked about it in our, one of our last episodes. It doesn't look like they're slowing down on the star Wars Disney plus side, at least for not this year. We're still getting all the shows we were promised. Well, and unlike the Marvel shows, the star Wars shows have had some like a pluses in there. Yeah, true. You know, Bad Batch is killing it. Mandalorian's killing it. And Mandalorian Andor is, was one of the Andor best things is, I've ever watched. Yes. And yeah, you still have Kenobi and uh, Boba Fett. Oh, uh, and yeah. even even they had pieces of the puzzle in there. 
that were solid. Yeah, and like, and and there were part, there were parts of those shows that were great. Yeah, straight up great. There are parts that were meh. So the but, the quality of Star Wars shows currently versus Marvel shows seems to be slightly different. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in favor of the Star Wars shows, right. I agree. Whereas I agree. on the big screen, it's with the sequel tr- trilogy, it's almost been the opposite. You know, you have to compare that to their Infinity War Endgame. And you can distinctly say that Marvel came out on top in that one. Yeah, for sure. Because they uh, took the time to write a great movie. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to get into No, we'll, the, we'll avoid that. Star Wars scheduling stuff, but man, that's frustrating. Um, um, what out of anything that is possible, like not even the stuff that we, we think we're going to hear at Star Wars Celebration, what is something that you would love to hear at Star Wars, like an announcement that you would love to hear at Star Wars Celebration in a couple weeks, 7th? Um, maybe a continuation of continuation of the plot beyond 9. It's exactly what I was going to say, buddy. Exactly what I was going to say. Like if we're, more right, if we're stuck with it, yep. just like embrace it and go Keep with it. Keep it going. Keep it going. Just don't yep. bring Palpatine back again. <laughs> nope. No, please don't. But yeah, I mean, the, the thing I would love to see is John Boyega up on that stage. The thing I'm yep. pretty sure we're not going to see is John Boyega up on that Boyega stage. That yeah. Yeah. I've said that we've said this before. I've said this before. Like, I want more Ray. I want a continuation of the sequel characters just in a way that is kind of their own thing and right. not as... Uh, not have their hands t- held by their back, but by- sorry, not have their hands tied behind their back by the original uh, six movies, you know, like feeling right. like they have to sequelize or extend those plot lines or whatever, like just it's behind you, whether regardless of what you thought of the sequel trilogy, like those storylines are completed. Now we're just moving forward with Ray and Finn and Poe and, Anybody else? Rose. Yeah. All those characters. Like, just move forward. I would also, if they came back and said they were going to do something, you know, Old Republic based, I would just, I would probably lose my oh, mind sure. at that. Yeah. But of the likeliest things, it's like how they're going to progress things moving forward. Yeah. I would, I want something that just feel like, I've, t- I've said this before, like, they're doing a lot of hole plugging right mm-hmm. now. Like, oh, we'll show you what happened between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. Or well, now we're showing you what happened between Re- Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, even Clone Wars is like plugging holes between movies and stuff. Like, just give me something different. Right. There are, there's, more, there's more than 35 years that happened in this galaxy. Yep. Yeah. Give me either. Like, I want to see more Rey for sure. But if not, give me like a new character in a new place and let me fall in love with that character. You know, just give me something now. Yeah, it anyway. worked with Din. It worked with the Mandalorian. Yes, it worked with Mandalorian. Like, yes, now it's it's tied back into things a little, but it's yeah. like it definitely worked with him. Of like, this is completely novel and new, and holy shit, we like it. Exactly. All right. I think on our last episode, um, they had just announced the voice cast for a new animated movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. And I think the day after we recorded that yes, podcast, they released they the trailer, the trailer for, it. for it. Steve and I talked about how we were very excited just based on the voice cast and um, how we were hoping that this movie was aimed towards kids instead of being like a gritty reboot. And guess what? Holy wow. It definitely seems like a PG 
family, mm-hmm. kid, fun movie. Steve, what did you think of this trailer for Team Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Mutant Mayhem. The first thing I said to, I can't remember who I was with when I saw it. I sent, oh, I sent it to one of my friends at work. And I said to her, I was like, they, they actually, like, I think I, I phrased it. They, uh, they captured what it was like to watch the cartoon when we were kids. Yeah. Like, man. It just yeah. felt fun. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I am excited about this movie. <laughs> I'm yeah. a 38 year old man that is excited about this movie. <laughs> And I love that all the turtles are like voiced by like young yeah. kids. Yep. Like Donatello straight up sounds like an eight year old. Mm-hmm. Like kind of does not sound like a teenager. Yep. Um, but that's fine with me. I I showed the trailer to my son tonight, and he's six. And I asked him earlier in the day. I said, Sam, do you know anything about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Have you ever heard of them? And he goes, No. And I was like, Oh, Ooh. I got a trailer to show you, buddy. And yeah, maybe that's my fault, quote unquote, or whatever. But like, also like. <laughs> I don't the know. the only reason the only reason my son knows is because I found an old Raph and Leo uh, oh, nice. action figure. Otherwise, he'd have no idea. Yeah, um, because the last few, also the last few Ninja Turtles things that have been made were like those Michael Bay movies that were like for adults. Yeah, I don't want that. You know, um, the animation in this trailer looks incredible. Like so, Spider Versey, kind of, like Spider Verse. Yep, Spider-Verse level animation, but also like kind of different, like not exactly like Spider-Verse. Right. Spider, like we started watching it. My wife goes, is this stop motion? Like it looks like. Yeah, it had that kind of feel to almost. it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I know, love it. Uh, it just seems like fun. They're funny. They're goofy. Um, being young kids or teenagers or whatever. Like yep. I, it just is. And it's not like. They're not being portrayed as adults acting like teenagers, which I feel like happens a lot. They're being portrayed as just like dumb, goofy kids, which is what they need to do, I think. Yeah, I it's perfect. I mean, the yeah. even even in the originals, like we never got the teenage mutant ninja turtles. Yeah, because they just looked like grown up turtles, you know, like and it was, was like their yeah. look or sound that made them sound like teenagers. Just, right outside of Mikey being the comic relief, like there was no yeah. like they were just turtles. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, super excited about that. Uh, moving into some comics news, Chip Zdarsky and Marco Chichetto's famous all-time Daredevil run is going to be ending this summer. Uh, Zadarsky made the announcement on social media, posting a teaser image of a smoldering, like burnt up, blackened daredevil mask with the caption. This is what God has done. And apparently that is a when they announced that Zadarsky and Chichetto were taking over the series like four years ago or whatever. They posted a thing where it was the mask that was on fire. Yep. And so now this is like the end and the mask is all like burnt up and like smoldering and stuff. And that's kind of cool. Um so yeah, they started four years ago. They've just gotten rave reviews. I think this is going to be this is going to be a run that is referenced as one of the all-time Daredevil runs. I feel like um, I haven't read one word of it, but Steve, you have read it for a little bit. How do you feel about their run ending? Uh, I I mean, it's one of those where it's not like they're going to do it in perpetuity. They've had they've had yeah. a phenomenal run on this book. Um, literally, like I mean, I've read some Daredevil here and there. This mm-hmm. grabbed me and had me like for the whole run. 
Yeah. And uh, I, I've got to catch up on the new. So they did they did Daredevil. They did Elektra, Devil's Reign. Yep. Or Elektra as Daredevil. And then Devil's Reign, which was a, a event. And then are back on the main line. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just been it's been solid the whole way like that. That original run they had was some of the best writing and like general like it was just great. Yeah, I got to pick that up still. Um, I was going to say it was one of the best general books I've ever read and I could not put those words together. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just like the fact like making Elektra take over as Daredevil. It's like a monumental thing. And I think I mean, spoiler alert, but I read while I was reading the information for this article is that matt murdoch and electra are married apparently they got married also yep. in the book like those are like things that have never happened before those are going to be like things that are re- referenced in the uh canon of daredevil for years to come so um, and hopefully not a race like uh <laughs> like we were talking like, about with spidey earlier aforementioned peter parker yeah. yeah exactly or undone but still like part of the canon like yeah we were right. married once or something you know anyway uh, this week in your local comic, book, local comic book store, we got Amazing Spider-Man number 22, Batman One Bad Day, Raza Ghoul. I believe Ooh. this is the final Batman One Bad Day book. And I think it's written by Tom Taylor, comic book writer extraordinaire, Tom Taylor. Uh, we got Batman Superman World's Finest number 13, Blue Book number 2, Carnage number 11, Catwoman number 53, Damn Them All number 6, DC's Legion of Bloom one shot. This is a... Uh, anthology book of short stories all about or having to do with characters or stories that are like pro environment. So like swamp thing, poison Ivy, like that kind of thing. And I don't know if this is like a teaser for a environmentally conscious team up superhero team. (laughs) I'm all about it. That'd be great. That'd be great. Like the population of poison Ivy in comic book land is sky high right now. So like, and you know DC should uh, ride Ram, that. And Ram V just did a super successful run on Swamp Thing, so like mm-hmm. maybe put those two together, team them up, figure it out. There you go. You know, I'll buy that shit. Uh, Dead Romans number one, Destiny New York number thirteen, Doctor Strange number one, new miniseries of Doctor Strange launching at Marvel. Flash number seven ninety five, One Minute War continues. Gargoyles number four, Grim number nine, Inferno Girl Red Book one number three. Marauders, number 12, Milestone, 30th Anniversary Special, number one, Monica Rambeau, Photon, number one, Nightwing, 102, Order and Outrage, number one, aforementioned Punisher, number 10, She-Hulk, number 11, Star Wars, Darth Vader, number 32, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, number one, Superman, number two, Swamp Thing, Green Hell, number three, very excited about that, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 138, Vanish, number five, Women of Marvel, number one shot celebrating um like women's history month wonder woman 797 and extreme x-men number four Woo! lots of stuff oh another story that i should have put in the rundown for comics news just recently announced this past week that tom king taking over as the writer on wonder woman the mainline wonder really by tom king himself I don't remember the artist's name uh, that will be with him, but yeah. And they're, they're rebooting it like, as, like you look at like Wonder Woman 797, like just hang on. You can get to 1000. You're like, you're almost right. there. You're almost there. They're starting with number one, with a number one for the Tom King run. Like, fine. I get it. You want people to jump on with a new writer, new 
artist, new creative team, but you're so close to a thousand. You're so close. Do like the new number one with a sub, like sub number 798 yeah, and then start back up. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Steve, uh, it's been two weeks. Have you read anything? No. Awesome. <laughs> cool. cool. No, I actually, I did read um, the One Bad Day Clayface. Mm. So, so yeah, I mean, the, all of these are great. Like these One Bad Days have been phenomenal little yeah, vignettes really of cool. what they've got going. I'm looking forward yeah. to Ra's al Ghul, so. Yeah, me too. Um, what I, I caught up on Poison Ivy. I caught up on Batman. Zdarsky's run on Batman. Um, I reread Swamp Thing Green Hell number one. It had been a while since I had read that. And then finally read number two. In now number three is coming out. So that's oh. really cool. That's like. It takes place like in the way future where uh, the Alec Holland Swamp Thing body is long gone. And the green, which is like the whole interconnected web of plant life in the mm-hmm. world, decides that humanity has killed the planet and will kill the green if they're allowed to survive. So they make a new evil swamp thing out of a dead guy, like some guy that dies. They're yeah. just like, now he's going to be our new champion. But your job is to m- kill all of humanity. So... So the entire green is turning. The green is turning on humanity. Yes. And so like old man Constantine is still around. He resurrects Alec Holland as Swamp Thing to save humanity. So it's a really cool idea. It's a really cool concept and it's very uh, violent and gross. And you see a lot of people, you know, uh, murdered horribly with plant things through their face and stuff. But that's, you know, that's classic Swamp Thing kind of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. So I read that. That was cool. Um, I am rereading um, Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. Um, I actually saw him speak at SU like a month ago. We didn't talk. Right. I, I didn't yeah, talk about it. Yeah, we completely missed that too. I so. completely missed it. But um, Scott McCloud, comic uh, journalist extraordinaire, spoke at SU um, back in, I want to say, January? I think so. Maybe February. I don't know, but... Um, I went to see him lecture and it was wonderful and it made me want to reread his uh, seminal work, Understanding Comics. I think anyone who is interested in comic books or how they work should read it. It's incredible. I got him to sign it for me and I gave him a copy of my book, The Amazing Shakes. Scott McCloud owns a copy of The Amazing Shakes. There you go. Um, I I do love how uh, the X-Men have gone back to the 90s with the extreme X-Men. Extreme? Yeah, I know. Are you picking that up at all? No. No, I, in all honesty, at this point in the like the, the Krakoa era, I've, I've stopped pulling anything and I'm just going to pick up trades from stuff that like I picked up the immortal trade. Um, basically anything that people are like, all right, you should pick this up. I'll, I'll grab, but there's, there's just too many books out at this point to try and keep up on it. But I will say, speaking of trades and trades that are currently hard to find, I picked up a copy of the collected edition of Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow by Tom King and Billy Elquist, um, which once James Gunn announced that they were making a film based on that graphic novel, sold out everywhere and couldn't find it. Our friends at Funky Town Comics got a few more in and I snagged one uh, this past week. They put up on Facebook, they have one more left and I meant to text Mm. Jeff and say, put this aside for me. 
I think they ordered, I think Jesse told me that they ordered a certain number, but only two of them came in at first and I got one of them and they're waiting for the rest of the the shipment to come in. So, um, very excited about that. We didn't really talk about it in that James Gunn story we talked about. I mentioned it, but like someone asked him on Twitter how much, or did we skip it? I wrote it in here. Did we skip it? Someone on Twitter asked, asked him how much of chapter one they have announced. I don't think I said this. No. And he said he said less than half. Yeah. So, so there's all that. The, they announced like 10 projects, five movies, five TV stuff, and that's less than half of the first chapter of their DCU. So wild. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Speaking of things that I am very excited about, and, um, you know, every once in a while we talk about a horror property on this uh, show, especially this horror property, as both Steve and I seem to be fans of the Evil Dead franchise. And uh, there's a new Evil Dead film coming out April, I think, 27th. Evil Dead Rise, like that, what yeah. it's called. Um, it is a new interpretation or uh, not quite a reboot, but just like a different Evil Dead movie. Like Bruce Campbell as Ash isn't in it. It doesn't connect to any previous Evil Dead thing. I guess that's how I should say. Um, but this week, Bruce Campbell, director, writer, creator Sam Raimi and producer Rob Tappert um, were giving an interview and they gave some information on possible future of the Evil Dead franchise. One, I've heard, I got to say anything. I think Evil Dead Rise had its premiere at some film festival last week. I've heard nothing but incredible reviews. It's just disgusting that, and that trailer horrifying. Looked, that trailer yeah. looked perfectly Evil Dead. Yes. Yeah. Apparently it is hardcore Evil Dead. Um. So in this interview, when asked about whether or not the 2013 Evil Dead film, which I love, uh, whether that was a remake or just like another different story, similar to this new one, Evil Dead Rise, that's coming out. Producer Rob Tappert said, if you ask the director, Fetty Alvarez, he'll say he did a remake, even though there's some incongruity in there. So it's a bit confusing. But what we want to do, this made me very excited. What we want to do is bring back Bruce, meaning Bruce Campbell, and Jane Levy, final girl from the 2013 Evil Dead remake, and tie it in with this movie, Evil Dead Rise, and have the beginning of the ultimate showdown. But Bruce is standing in the way. Now, what that last part means is that Bruce Campbell, a few years ago, after the incredible show, Ash vs. Evil Dead, was canceled, he said that was his last time playing Ash, and he has retired from the role of Ash. Since then, he's voiced the character in like video games, but he has said no to reprising that role in live action. So in this interview in which all three of them are sitting in, Rob Tappert calls Bruce out specifically saying, Bruce is the one standing in the way of us doing that because he doesn't want to play Ash anymore. And then Bruce Campbell immediately chimed in and said, I'll go on record here. These guys don't scare me. I worked on Xena. Nothing scares me. I love that. (laughs) I know. He's so funny. If Sam says, I, Sam Raimi, will direct another Evil Dead movie, then I, Bruce Campbell, will consider being in it. I don't want to be Ash as tended to by other people. Sam is the meanest director I've ever worked with, and Ash needs a little bit of that to shine. And I think Sam's the only director now who I won't punch in the face while making an Evil Dead movie. I'm just saying, I've called Rob and Sam out. I'm not the coward that they think I am. I just want the right circumstances. 
because Sam, even though he's done big studio movies, he's still a good director. That's <laughs> a very funny thing to say. So I want Sam. I will do it for Sam. So all that's very exciting to me yes. as a fan of this franchise. Bruce Campbell coming back. I remember when that 2013 remake came out, there was talk then about having Jane Levy's or Levy, I don't know how to say her last name, Jane Levy's character do a crossover with Bruce Campbell in some way. Um, and I was excited then. And if they're still talking about it now, it makes me even more excited still. I would love to see this. And I will, I will take Bruce Campbell as Ash in any way, shape or form until he's no longer physically able to perform that role. I loved him in Ash versus Evil Dead. I loved him in all the Evil Dead movies. I'll take him hand over fist every time. They also teased the development of an Evil Dead animated series, which I had not heard about before. They're talking about it like it was still in development, but it's just taking a long time because Sam Raimi is, you know, in charge of it and he's a busy guy. But I'll mm. take a animated Evil Dead. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. So um, maybe that was that might have been a little more than a one shot, but I didn't really fit it in, <laughs> in right. the main rundown. So, so that's that. More Evil Dead coming to you hopefully soon. I mean, definitely soon. In yeah, the new we can. Evil Dead. We can all hope for more Evil Dead beyond the rise. Fingers hard crossed, Steve. Absolutely. Um, apparently, Wednesday herself is in talks to join the cast of Beetlejuice 2. Beetlejuice 2? Yeah, Jenna Ortega has been uh, having various breakout performances in Wednesday and the Scream movies. Um the, the yep. new screen movies, not the old screen movies, because, well, she right. probably wasn't born then. Wasn't um, born. <laughs> <laughs> she would reportedly be playing the daughter of Lydia Dietz, Winona Ryder's character from the first film. Uh, Keaton and Tim Burton are both expected to return as well. Thoughts? I had I had no idea that Beetlejuice 2 was a thing. I don't um, know how it would be a thing, but okay. Maybe remember how we talked about a while ago about how Harrison Ford is just doing like a goodbye tour of his famous yeah. characters. Like I'll do Han Solo one more time. I'll do Keaton's Blade Runner going one more through time. It. And now I'm going to do Indiana Jones. Maybe it's Keaton's like, yeah, I stepped back into Batman for the flash. Maybe I should do Beetlejuice yeah. also. Oh, also, I mean, uh, Burton you, directed a few episodes of Wednesday, I oh, think. Really? So like, he must know that's probably why he right. knows Jenna Ortega. Or that's probably why she's, being rumored for this or cast for that there you go uh you did mention harrison ford i would be completely remiss even though it's not anywhere in our wheelhouse oh yeah if you if anybody who's listening to this has not seen shrinking harrison ford is a national treasure and i have never <laughs> laughed out loud so much at a show but shrinking on apple tv is phenomenal apple tv okay i was gonna ask yeah. what streaming service is on yeah. all right cool um this is another uh digression because we haven't had enough of those no. in this Super long episode. <laughs> we're not too far over. We're only at like an hour 22. Oh, so really? We're, we're oh, good. we got time. Um, my son had his first taste of, um, we didn't have an episode. We didn't broadcast broadcast. What is it? 1930. We didn't have an episode last week because I was in Disney world with my family where my son had his first taste of Indiana Jones ever in the Disney's Hollywood studios, Indiana Jones, epic stunt spectacular, which we saw twice because <laughs> he <laughs> loved it that's awesome. loved it and uh i think it's going to be a little bit before i show him raiders of the lost ark because like there's still just a couple things in there that are a little too scary and the stunt show like definitely waters things down a little bit mm -hmm. but it's still very impressive and super cool definitely not seeing temple of doom anytime soon <laughs> no no 
I saw that um, too early as a child, and let me tell you, some yeah. scenes stick with you. I feel like in Lost Ark, there's maybe like two or three times, like if he was watching it today, now yeah. as a six year old, he could probably handle a lot of it. But there'd be some times when I'd cover his, you know, mm-hmm. a face melting at the right. end, that kind of thing. Temple of Doom, his eyes would be covered quite a bit. A good chunk, yeah. <laughs> a good chunk. Um. Anyway, uh, Beetlejuice 2, I'll take a Beetlejuice 2, sure. I'll see Michael Keaton be Beetlejuice again. Like, it's such a, like a weird, uh, like he's never done anything else like that. If no. he can still do that, then I'll watch him do that again, you know, if Absolutely. he still thinks he can do it. Um, and I like Jenna Ortega. I haven't seen Wednesday, but I liked her in Scream 5. I haven't seen Scream 6. Also, <laughs> when I, I went to see uh, Shazam last night, and I went, uh, to the, I had to stop in the bathroom on the way out and I had to loudly uh, tell two other people that were in the bathroom stop talking about Scream 6 because I hadn't seen it yet <laughs> and they were like getting real close to talking yep. saying like who the murderer who the killer was and I was like <laughs> ah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet I just saw Shazam I don't please stop talking about it I'm about to leave this bathroom <laughs> um but you know she was great in uh scream five and i know she's kind of like a new it girl so yeah who knows? Oh, well, like i will be interested like if she's gonna be lydia's daughter you gotta bring winona Ryder back as lydia right like give me lydia grown up right i, don't and know. I mean if she's, you're doing it do it. it she's been you know uh known to play a mom in various series li- recently so that is true horror adjacent series is mm-hmm. so yeah um speaking of i don't know net oh wednesday's on netflix right yeah speaking of netflix things we're definitely talking about netflix things netflix has set a date for uh much anticipated in my house sweet tooth season two uh it's been two years since the first season ended now season two is going to debut on april 27th sweet tooth of course, based on the uh vertigo or is it dc or vertigo i don't know it was vertigo one of the, I, I don't know. I read it on the DC app, so it's owned by DC at some point. Uh, comic by Jeff Lemire tells a story of humanity after a mysterious illness called the sick has decimated most of human life on the planet and possibly created all these weird human animal hybrid children. Totally being, normal. Uh, hunted, hunted for various reasons. Um, uh, season one of the show is very good, although very much um, lighter than the book. The book is bleak um uh but my wife both my wife and i loved season one of sweet tooth and looking very much forward to season two and now we know it's coming out april 27th i had forgotten that this show even existed because it had been so long since i saw season one but uh we're going on april 27th can't wait Sorry, I'm Up supposed next. to be reading right now. That's uh, okay, bud. You got a lot of stuff. You bounce. <laughs> I just sit here and stare. You are like producing and making sure levels are right. Yeah, it's just so working on the show notes, you know. Just Yeah, exactly. You're paying attention to other stuff. I'm just I'm along for the ride here. There you go. So Disney Plus is canceling Willow after one season, maybe. Maybe. Uh, after a number of outlets have posted about the show being canceled, uh, showrunner Jonathan Kasdan, son of Lawrence Kasdan, you may know yeah, him. Yeah, I didn't realize. Did not realize that he was the showrunner of Willow. Yeah, no, I because didn't didn't his dad have something to do with the original too? I think his dad was a writer on the original. Yeah, yeah. so 
you know, uh, you may know him from a small movie called Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so Jonathan Kasdan took to Twitter to respond to the rumors saying, the truth is less splashy, but here it is. A decision was made last week to release our main cast for other series opportunities that may arise for them in the coming year. With all the TV and movies in production around the world, it feels unfair to limit an actor's availability without a clear sense of when you're going to need them again. So basically, it it seems like it wasn't completely canned, but they're not going to do it immediately. I think, yeah. I mean, if you look at this statement and then think about what we talked about earlier about what Bob Iger said as far as Lucasfilm and Marvel goes, that they're like making sure they're putting money behind the right series mm-hmm. or projects. And a lot of things are moving a lot slower than they were previously. So I think if they know, like, yo, we don't know. I think he also said in his article that they have written a lot of, like, they already have the stories written for season two. Yeah. There's just a lot of pre-production and stuff they have to do. And it's not fair of them to not let their actors take other jobs in the meantime, when they know it's going to be a lot longer than it's not going to, they're not, they're not, they're not going to shoot it this year in the next year. Yep. So we'll let those actors take other jobs. We'll develop it and, it, you know, maybe it'll come back. It's not fully canceled. Um, and maybe it is, but right. maybe it's not, you know. All right. Last one shot. Last story of the night. We got to recap uh, the Oscars, which I did not watch because I was out of town. I love watching the Oscars every year. Um, well, you realize we do a podcast dead nuts in the middle of the Oscars now, right? That's also true, but I think last year we bumped it to Monday, so that I, I think we might have, yeah. So we could have done that, but I was in Florida, um, buying, you know, just spending my life savings on <laughs> lightsabers and all yeah. kinds of stuff at Galaxy's Edge. Um, uh, but and we had talked about, you know, nerdy-ish movies that had been nominated for Oscars in the past, uh, past episodes when those were announced. And uh, here we are with the winners. Not a ton of nerdy winners, except if you count everything, everywhere, all at once, which is a movie about multiverses, which I love, which I can say anybody to anybody listening, you should see this movie. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter that there's superheroes aren't in it. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. And it's weird and it's wild and it's emotional and heartfelt and impactful no matter who you are. This movie won seven Oscars, including Best Editing. That was a no-brainer. If you've seen this movie, the editing is fantastic. Uh, Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Actress went to Jamie Lee Curtis. Best Supporting Actor went to Short Round himself, Ki Huey Kwan. Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh, and it won the big prize, Best Picture. That's everything, everywhere, all at once. Watch this Movie. I definitely and, have to see it again. And so do I've not, only do not sell. Once, do not sell Kehi Kwan short. He was also Data in the Goonies. That's true. He was Data in the Goonies, and he was in Encino Man, I believe. Really? It, uh, he, oh no, yeah. Maybe it was Encino Man. He was in some movie yeah. with Brendan Fraser, and Brendan Fraser also won Best Actor that night. So that was uh, that was the thing I had seen was the entire cast of Encino Man outside of Polly Shore, has now won an Oscar. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Sean Astin. <laughs> oh, you're yep. right. Oh, wow, amazing. Oh, yeah. Yep, so. Um, and, of course, um, even though I didn't watch the Oscars, I could not escape um, 
the in the wonderful and emotional photos. Uh, the, I believe it was the Oscar for Best Picture was presented by Harrison Ford. So mm. um, Indiana Jones and Short Round got a wonderful, emotional, and tearful reunion as the cast and the crew of Everything Everywhere All at Once came up on stage um, to see Harrison Ford and Kihue Kwan um, embracing um, again was just so great just so wonderful to see the two of them together um and i mean he's an oscar-winning actor he can do anything he wants but god damn if disney and lucasfilm isn't like hey let's make a short round series you're just dumb you're just dumb you're just dumb uh i mean if he doesn't want to do that that's one thing but yeah at least not even (laughs) if you're not offering it you're dumb disney Iger, you're done you're dumb um, other nerdy things took home awards being Avatar, The Way of Water, of course, won Best Visual Effects. I don't think anyone was thinking that that was going to go to anybody else. And um, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, won for Best Costume Design. And that was just about all the nerdiness that happened at the Oscars. And again, I can't recommend everything everywhere all highly enough. So watch it, people. Now, was watch that it. was that Jamie Lee Curtis's first not? I think it might have been. I mean, she, I, I don't really know if she'd been nominated. It was definitely her first win. Right. And I mean, as someone who loves the movie that she won for, she was also nominated against one of her co-stars for Best Supporting Actress, Stephanie Hsu, who I thought deserved it. I thought it should have gone to her because she was incredible in this movie. Right. But if it's not going to go to her, I am fine that it went to someone else from the same movie and someone else that is a living legend that deserves an Oscar. Right. For just her career in general. Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, I think I think that's why people were thinking going in that it was going to come down to Jamie Lee Curtis or uh, Angela Bassett for Wakanda Forever. Sure. Yeah. Because, you know, both of them have the resume to back it up. They have the career. Yeah, I feel yeah. like sometimes like the, people, the, the the Lifetime Achievement Award without calling it a Lifetime Achievement Award. Exactly. Yeah. I think sometimes Oscar voters go for the name that deserves it for the career, not necessarily like the role. And like she's great in this movie. She's right. She's different than anything I've ever seen her in Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. Like she's and she plays multiple. Again, it's a multiverse thing. She plays multiple versions of her character. And it's wild. Um, like she's even a little Michael Myersy, I guess I gotta say in one. Nice. Uh, so anyway, she definitely earned it, but I don't know. That's all I got. Steve, is there anything else that you, we should talk about on our hundredth episode? No, I can't believe we've been doing this for a hundred episodes. hundred episodes. We didn't do a Mandalorian episode recap this week because you haven't seen it. Correct? I have not seen episode three. No, I've seen one or two. All right. So. And you are not caught up with the bad batch, despite me telling you that it's been incredible. No, I need spare time for all these things to happen. So Yeah, you do. Unfortunately, yeah. I haven't had that. Hmm. We've been too busy watching Shrinking. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I am slowly getting caught up on The Last of Us. Okay, um, that was the other thing that caught... Uh, so yeah, you've been yelling at me for the Star Wars stuff. I've been yelling at you for The Last yeah, of Us. So Yeah, and I'm getting there. Yep. I am, uh, I've watched the... F- I've, I finished the fifth episode the other night. So is it still, still holding, like, uh, still holding serve? as a quality oh it's incredible yeah Yeah, it's great yeah Yeah. so you're through the you're through the kansas city arc or whatever wherever it is now just finished the kansas city arc as uh gut punchy as that was even though i knew it was oh yeah yeah you know it's coming and you're just like yeah 
can't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they made a change for the series. <laughs> nope. 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 They didn't. Shit. <laughs> yep. So. Um, looking forward to finishing that. Um, the Bad Batch has just been great. I got to say, like, I know we've talked about it, but I was meh on season one of The Bad Batch. Season two has just been so good. And they're giving you so much, like, like, it was hard for me to get into Clone Wars because Clone Wars wants you to care about clone troopers. And I was raised on the original trilogy. Anybody wearing anything that remotely looks like a stormtrooper <laughs> costume, I am not right. going to root for. But they make you care about these characters like Captain Rex and, you know, Echo or whatever. Oh, to the point where, like, Rex, like the, the Domino Squad and Rex and, like, the 501st guys have turned into some of my favorite Star Wars characters. Sure, yeah. Um, and now they're really dealing with like the fallout of that in the bad batch. And like, what happens when you just make an entire, you create thousands of human beings, you created these people and now they're just aging out of being clones. Yeah. And then what happens to them? Like the empire is just like forgetting about them. It's like, it's an angle that I never expected to be explored. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's awesome. Well, and even as far as I am in the show, like, I don't think it's, I think he was in the the preview, so I don't think it's any spoiler, but like just seeing Cody in trooper armor, oh yeah, not clone trooper armor. You're just like, right. Ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't sit right. (laughs) Is that that episode with crosshair you're talking about? Yeah. Yep. Dude. One of the more recent ones, there's another crosshair episode that is just right up there. Like, I don't know. They're giving him the best episodes this season. So far. Man, it's That's so good. Great. But there's a couple of you. You really got to you got to. Oh, I'll it. catch up on it. Probably this week. Okay. I've got some time. Yeah. So, so good. Uh, I don't think I got anything to say, Steve. I think no, that's it. This is our 100th episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for doing this, Mike. Steve, thank you for doing it. Thank you for asking me to do it. Hey, you know, it's been a, been a ride. I'd say we keep it, it going. I think we should keep it going. I think we should keep it going and we'll keep it going uh, next week. Yeah. I think, right? Oh, yeah. Why not? And if any of you want to, you know, continue to listen to us keeping it going, you should like and subscribe, uh, hopefully on your podcatcher of choice, Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. or the like. We're also broadcasting live on YouTube every week. And uh, yeah, check us out on the socials, the Multiverse Report, Multiverse RPT on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you. Talk to you then. We'll talk to you then. And until then, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the multiverse.